yeah, man, just uh, wanted to hop on here and uh, have a little bit of a follow-up conversation from yeah, our last podcast on a religious world. It got a lot of people uh, commenting, reaching out, and talking. And uh, we're getting some getting some feedback. It's it's some, it's feedback that we've gotten in the past when we really start to um, you know set these uh, grace uh, detonators at the base of uh, towers of religion, and uh, we want to just yeah. watch them come tumbling down uh, for the good of those who are grabbing onto it. But um, I think people, first of all, I think that they struggle with uh, moralism because i think they're seeing like well there's so much need for morality and for good in the world mm -hmm. and good things are good beautiful things are beautiful and true things are are true and it seems that we're kind of like pitting uh jesus against maybe things that are true beautiful and good and pitting him against uh morality and i think it would be good for us to just make a distinction um what like what do we mean about morality and things that are true good and beautiful versus moralism and religion as a right as a as a thing that saves us yeah i i, I get that i've been there for sure spent a number of years wrestling with that and i think where i found some freedom myself dude you know impressing in on that is just really looking at the scriptures i think if you just take a few verses like when jesus shows up um you know when you talk about the law he says, uh, he says, I did not come to abolish the law. I didn't come to get rid of it. Okay. He even goes on and says, not one dot of it shall be removed. Mm -hmm. So this picture of humanity at its finest, this picture of harmony, um, that is a picture of perfect righteousness. It hasn't gone anywhere and it's not going anywhere. Um, and so Jesus says this about the law. Uh, he does say that he came to fulfill it though. Yep. And I that's think that's important the to grab onto. That's the important piece to grab onto. So when he's saying this, this perfect righteousness that you can never even begin to grasp, okay, that you can't even begin to walk in, it's not going anywhere. It's what's needed to live and dwell in this relationship that God's brought us back into called the Trinity. Mm -hmm. um, it's not going anywhere. And I think how we respond to Jesus saying that he came to fulfill that is where religion either starts or where it ends. Mm, that's a good that's a good that's good yeah so if you recognize that right you'll then hear him like oh okay so when jesus starts teaching like um when jesus goes on and says be holy as i am holy to a crowd that thinks that they've brought enough to the table right to be there be holy as i am holy dude how many times do we skip over that how many times do we diminish the law when we yeah, read that we think it's marching orders rather than like what we brought up in the last podcast which is the crisis of capacity that beautiful that beautiful yeah. wound yeah it's like you know when he says uh sell everything you own and come follow me to a guy who thinks he brought enough to the table that's what jesus tells him right and we read that we're like yeah jesus just wanted to see if he would do it because if he would have said like i'm in jesus has been like come on then now you finally get it and it's like no dude no, the story is Jesus knowing his heart and what it is that he's after. He wants to be able to point to, look what I've done to belong. And Jesus is going, no, that's, I, don't, I don't think you're understanding what's really needed here. And why do we think that the fact that he walked away sad was a bad thing? Maybe that mm. sorrow was the beginning You know what I'm saying of him realizing like, yeah, dude, dang, I, I can't do this. Yeah, dude. It, and I, you know, he talks about you know, other, other things. I mean, like one, for instance, will be like lust or for if you've even thought of someone in this way, right? You've committed adultery. Or if you've even hated your brother, you've committed murder, mm -hmm. right? In the scriptures, it says, if you've said Raka, 
That's the word that Jesus used. Which like, none of us what? even know what that word means. It's like, <laughs> no, even no one the does. Bible translators are like, yeah, we don't know what this means, which means we're probably all probably doing it. Yeah, dude. That's why I'm, that's why I laugh about it. So like, oh, am I guilty of it? Am I not guilty of it? And, and you can keep going on with these stories that Jesus tells and the way that Jesus teaches, he's creating this crisis of capacity to bring us to the end of our virtuous rope because religion's not this foreign born enemy that's on the edge of our shores that's, that might kill us. Yeah. And so what we need to do is come up with a really good plan to crush it. No, religion is something that lives in us. Yep. So there's no way to kill it. There's only you and me dying to it. Yep. Which is what his whole life, death and resurrection was leading us to. Mm -hmm. It's away from the disease of self-reliance into the life of sweet dependency on our maker, right. our sustainer, our yep. savior. It's a very different story, man. Yeah. I would say two things to that. One is um, the people who found themselves at odds with Jesus, or I would say this, Jesus was at odds with them. They were mm -hmm. like awesome when it came to morality, goodness, religion, right? All that. Yep. And he was just constantly like poking holes in that and showing them, man, no, <laughs> no, not at all. In fact, you've, you've lowered the bar. You've lowered mm. the bar for what it, what it means to be holy. And by in, in your doing of these things, you think that you're included. So it's not like Jesus came and aligned himself with like the holy rollers of his day because, oh, I'm God and I'm all about good and holiness and, you know, and, uh -huh. and those who get it together. In fact, he found himself having table fellowship with the people who were like the exact opposite of that. Um, <laughs> the other thing is um, I think a lot of times when people get around the grace conversation and people who hold to that understanding or declare that they accuse us of like relaxing the law. Like, well, you guys don't talk about the law a lot. Like you kind of like really like relax it. You say it's all about like grace and, you know, all that. I don't really hear you guys really calling people to, you know, the high standard um, that God has set. Like, you know, God calls people to a higher standard. I, I, I heard that from someone recently in, in a conversation, God calls mm -hmm. Christians to a higher standard. I think God has called the world to the same standard. Like everybody yeah. like be holy as I am holy. And that law, what it's meant to do, though, it is good, though, it is perfect, though, it will never be removed. Jesus fulfilled it because we can't keep it because though the law is good, we are not. Yes. And so in that, say same, that again, though, the law is good. <laughs> Good, though the law is good not. yeah we're not That's a great great point and it's meant to show us that because we're supposed to know jesus as savior right and so we're saved by grace the only way to interact with grace is you fail into it you don't yeah. ascend up the hill or up the ladder to grace it is not a mark to go hit and achieve right it's grace it comes down to you you don't go up to it so you think that maybe God wasn't kidding in Ephesians when he says this is a gift <laughs> so that you can't boast? I'm just I don't know. I think salvation is more like a paycheck, like you earn it, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, but but there's this one line in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, and he goes, Whoever relaxes the law is gonna be the least in the kingdom. And some people say grace people relax the law because they're always talking about grace and not talking about the law. Come but on. relaxing the law is not talking about grace. In fact, Grace has the, I would say, the most robust understanding of the law because we see how insane it is and how much we yes. can't keep it. Relaxing the law turns, be holy as I'm holy, is like, hey man, try your best. Yeah. You know, uh, you you got it six times out of ten, man. You know, you you said no to this sexual sin six times out of ten. Hey, dude, that that's awesome. Sounds like yeah. sounds like you're really nailing it. Yeah, you didn't give all that you own, but you gave. You went from ten percent to twelve percent. 
So this is progress, man. Yeah, you get a pat on the back if you really want to punch your neighbor in the face because he's talking about you coming over into his yard like six inches with your lawnmower and you actually refrain from that and you tell your Bible study dudes and they're like, man, that's awesome, bro. Sounds like you really bearing fruit in the Holy Spirit, though in your heart you wanted to freaking just knock this dude out. You right. know, it's like we start clapping yeah. for each other like, oh, look at yeah. this fruit. It's like, no, I'm pretty sure the law has something to say about that. <laughs> That's which is what Jesus is doing. That's we relaxing take, the law. That's relaxing the law. We take this sermon on the Mount, which is in tune with what Paul says in second Corinthians, when he defines the law as being good and of God, Jesus does right. Paul does as well. Um, but then Paul goes on and he calls it the ministry of death. <laughs> he calls it in verse nine, second Corinthians, the ministry of condemnation. In other words, this good and beautiful ministry as CS Lewis said is an endless hall of mirrors. Yep. It will constantly reveal to you what is good and beautiful. Just like a mirror will reveal that your face is dirty. Amen. But know this, rubbing your face on the mirror will never make it clean. Don't do it. So its, it's job is not to produce holiness in us because it cannot. So I would yeah. just invite anybody listening in on this. Go read the book of Romans through the lens of it is finished. Jesus death and resurrection. Hmm. Go read Galatians, which is a church that started out believing in the good news, the reckless grace of God that brought them from death to life. And then somewhere along the way, wanted to find a significance and security of their own, hmm. decided to go back to the law. As yeah. Paul said, they literally went back to the yoke of slavery. Those were his yeah. words. Yeah. The Galatian case study is the best. I would stretch the analogy a little bit more and say, you know, when you get used to rubbing your face on the mirror, thinking that it's going to be the thing that's going to clean you. You get a lot of face grease on that thing. You get a lot of dirt on it and you stop seeing it for what it actually is. You actually, yes. it starts to get a little convoluted. You actually might start to think, Hey, I think I could do this. So I think I am doing this. So by relaxing the law and the practice of relaxing the law, I could begin to no longer see what the law is actually saying, which drives me to the beauty of Jesus's life for my life, his death for my death. His resurrection is my resurrection, my only hope. Dude, that's that's spooky, right? When you start to think about it, that relaxing the law actually leads to your own demise. So here would be another question just to shift. What do you think, even though we, we're talking about like we're all religious and every expression of religion, though, whether it's um, spiritual, non-spiritual, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's religious or irreligious or whatever. Right. Um, it's something that it, it, it's, it's man-made. It comes from us, right? Yeah. Um, when people bemoan culture, they're like, oh, look at the culture. It's like, well, you just understand that culture is just the <laughs> what we get of the collection of all of our hearts in our lives. Yeah. Right. And like every are, every tribe has a culture. Every tribe has a culture. Your family's a culture. So I get it. So it's almost a weird question because like it's like, okay, um, I think that um this is something we've invented, but what do you think the lure of religion is? Like, what do you think the, the lure of just thinking somehow you're righteous and like shaming people and like tagging them on social media and like letting right. the world know, you know, that you hate this person and you're distancing themselves from that or this move or like whatever. And we're calling it like, good, like what is, or, what's the, or you didn't, punch the neighbor in the face who was, you know, yelling at you and you told your buddies about it in your church group, as you described, and they all high-fived you. And then you talked about the beauty of accountability and how the reason why you didn't punch that guy in the face is because you knew that you'd have to come back to this group and face these guys. And you're so thankful that they're here because that forced this behavior in you that you're now calling good. See where I'm going with this? Wait, aren't you talking about discipleship? <laughs> 
I'm just saying I have like, a story that I'm I want to tell too... so bad, but I'm going to avoid it. I'm just saying like you gave this great example of like the broader culture, but that's how it works in the church world. dude. Oh, and neither totally. one, neither right. one are dependency on Jesus. Right. Let's neither just say, one are taking Jesus at his word. <laughs> let's just say this one time Russ and I were in California and this dude started talking about discipleship, like in this real bitter way. I literally got up <laughs> from the table and just walked outside. I couldn't even handle it. I left you there all by yourself to yeah. handle that dude. And you were a champ. I, I dipped out on you and that wasn't cool. But what do you think the lure of like, why, why is it? A, why, why the appeal? What do you think that, 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 that um, why is it so shiny? I like it. I want it. Yeah. And which is a question people have asked is this thing is religion's popular. Um, and if you align yourself with it, you can get really famous in politics, your company, your social cause. And just to be clear, you can get really famous in the church world, bro, by offering all the religious handles under the sun to a better you, a better family, a better bank account, and all the other better things that you're supposed to be because, you know, you owe Jesus blank, mm -hmm. which by the way, sort of is at odds with the whole idea of a gift. Just throwing that out there. So I'll just answer it this way, dude. Why is religion so enticing? Why is it so addictive? Why do we call it the most deceptive drug in the world? I say we close out this last call, man, with Gerhard Ferdi, the, the, the old theologian, the G, man. I'm like, what's the guy calling him? The G. We're just, yeah, I love that, dude. And I love this guy. And I can't wait till one day be in the presence of Jesus and be able to share a pint with Mr. <laughs> Ferdi. Um, but I think, dude, he captures the why like this. The, he captures it the best, man, in my opinion. He says, our entire existence in this world is shaped, determined, and controlled by conditional promises and calculations. And because of this culture, and this is why we are so enticed by this deceptive drug we call moralism, religion. Um, Ferday goes on and says this, we are brought up on conditional promises. We live by them. Conditional promises, you could say, has all, have always been an if-then form. If you do your schoolwork, then you will pass the course. If you do your job, then you will get your pay. If you prove yourself, then you will get a promotion. And so on and so on and so on endlessly until at last we, I don't know, die of it. <laughs> <laughs> Wondering if we had only done this or that differently, perhaps then right? Ferdinand goes on, he says, uh, whatever you want to put into then there, through such conditional promises uh, are often burdensome and even oppressive. He says, they are nevertheless enticing. Here we go. In their own way, because they give life its structure and they seem to grant us a measure of control. Mm. So we hang desperately on to the use of conditional promises tied to any form or structure of religion, whatever, to, no matter what your target, okay, is with your religious approach. We hang desperately on to the use of conditional promises in those religious targets. And this is why we believe that they will help us control our own destiny. That's so good, dude. Control, control. The, the other thing I thought of was I think comfort. That's it. And it could be that there's comfort in our control, but I think like yeah, I think all of us, like why we want the control. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think everybody from a young age is like, you know, we, we loved, we loved being hugged. We loved being loved. We loved yeah. being encouraged. We'd love the pat on the back. You know, we'd love the celebration of, you know, the T-ball team or, you know, bringing home an A or, you know, something like that. You know what I'm saying? And I think yeah. religion gives us this false sense of like, we're doing it. Like we're that's good. The if then that Friday was talking about. Yeah. If you hit the home run in T-ball, you got the pats on the back. Yeah, man, that thing that allows me to like put my head on my pillow and say, I'm enough. 
My life is good. I can wake up tomorrow and do it again. But the control thing for sure, you get to control, um, you get to control yourself. You get to control others. Yeah. So you think, Mm -hmm. yep. Grace is is not controllable. (laughs) That's why we call it. We guess why we call it reckless. It doesn't work on weights and measures. It works the opposite of that. It's the great equalizer, man. It just comes in and says, you are loved and you are whole and you are home and you are free because God in his son has loved you, died for you, and rose from the grave and brought you with him. Amen. I'm going to put an amen on that because I got to go pick up my kids. So I need to to bounce, dude. Well, there it is, man. The first last call. So cheers to this, bro. Cheers. Till next time. Peace.